God is so good. I don't know about you, but I'm in, I'm in pretty deep love with him. At this time, as I said, uh, Pastor Matt Palmer is going to be bringing us the word. Uh, and, uh, this is the next part of our emotionally healthy spirituality, and it specifically deals with uh, the issue of uh, grief. Yes, with us, we're talking about emotionally healthy spirituality, and we've been, been covering it for about four weeks, and so this is our fifth week talking about it. If you have been with us talking or, or hearing what we've been talking about, uh, Jill shared last week, my wife, about um, kind of hitting that wall emotionally and how to, how to deal with that, where to, where to go with it. We've been talking about knowing your past so that, so that you can know who you are, and, and um, also uh, knowing yourself so that you can know God. And, and so we've been talking about all of these things and we're coming to this place right now where after you hit this wall, uh, some of these things can kind of start to take effect on a larger scale. And I want to talk to you today about enlarging your soul through grief and loss. And just so you understand this, I think, I think that we can all agree that most of us, if not all of us, have experienced loss in some way, shape, or form. We've experienced grief in one way or another. And I want to just kind of look at a few of these ways that we may have um, lost something. We may have lost our youth, right? Some of us have gotten up in age, and I was joking with the staff about this the other day. I said, you know, you guys ever like have this, this thing where, where when you wake up in the morning and um, you start getting out of bed and you start walking to the bathroom, there's just groans, like everywhere hurts and aches and all of this stuff, and I, I just said, I'm not familiar with this, but it's starting to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm like getting out of bed, I'm like, oh, oh, you know, and I, I'm just, and the, Lori, our, our administrative uh, person up front, she said, welcome to the club. So I was like, all right, well, it makes me feel a little bit better there that uh, I'm not the only one with aches and pains in the morning, but some of us lose our dreams as well. Uh, there's this other thing of just transitions of life when there's grief. And I think that we all can say that we have had some sort of a transition in, in our lifetime because we have all been born. Now think about this. Before you're born, you're in this nice, comfy, warm place. You know, maybe, maybe the, you're, you're listening to some classical music or you've got these, these silly voices that you're hearing and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, there's this huge amount of pressure pushing you to force you through this canal. All of a sudden, there is this ma majorly bright light you, that you are not used to. And now all of a sudden, there's these people swatting you and wiping you down and cleaning you off and cutting things and, and doing all sorts of stuff. This is uncomfortable. It's no wonder that we have all forgotten about this and blocked this out of our mind. This is something that we don't want to deal with. Being born is a major transition in our lives. Jobs, job change. Job starts and fails. These things are major transitions. Maybe, maybe it's a, a major move that you did by, by coming from one place and, and going to another or the kids growing up and transitioning from having kids into empty nests. All of these are major transitions, and all of these require a certain amount of, of grief to, to let them work through healthily. Loss is something that we all deal with. And I'd say that even most of us experience catastrophic loss, and 
What I mean by that is that we deal with death. We may deal with the death of a relationship or just very literally a death of a loved one, a death of a friend or a family member. We all face death in our lives. The choice is whether these deaths will be terminal, meaning that they are, they're crushing our spirit and life, or, they're open, or they open us to new possibilities and depths of transition in Christ. I think every culture, every family has a different way that they deal with grief and loss. Some families, they deal with grief and loss by wailing and yelling and being very exaggerated when things go bad or when things are hard and, and they kind of freak out. Um, my culture in my home was a little different than this. We were more of the kind of, of people that when there was conflict or grief or loss, we'd start to shut down. We would ignore it. We'd joke about it. Or, you know, we just would stuff it. Stuffing was a very... Uh, simple thing for our family, we would just, we just wouldn't, wouldn't deal with it. In fact, one time I was vacationing with my family, Jill, my kids, uh, my brother, sister, their family, their kids, my parents, and we were all sitting around the table and I really felt that it was appropriate that we needed to start having a conversation about getting emotionally healthy. We were struggling. We've stuffed things down for a long time, and so I brought up some things. And there were tears that were coming out of some of the family members, and there were struggles, and people were opening up, and this was a really healthy moment. And then all of a sudden, the, the default happened where we stuff, ignore, and, and, and start to joke about it. And my, one, of the, one of my family members said this, in the midst of this, this very emotional and very healing moment, which it was, it was, it was tragic. I mean, it was, it was, it was not a pretty moment. People were angry, people were frustrated, but it was, it was healthy, okay, because we were getting it out. But one of my family members said, well, you know, this has just been great. I just look at here, and I just am, am thinking, at least we're together, right? I mean, at least we're in the same room together, kind of hugging it out. And I just stared at them, and I went, are you in the same room with what we're dealing with right now? This is ugly, I don't think anybody wants to be here. This is uncomfortable. But my family member was just like, you know, just, we just need to let it go. We just need to let it go. And, and I just was so frustrated at that moment of just, why is it that we default to these different things of stuffing, hiding, joking, not wanting to deal with the pain? We really have a hard time in our, in our, in our culture with pain. We don't like to deal with it. I just want to share with you from a cultural standpoint, the way that we deal with pain um, is kind of crazy. I mean, we, aside from, from the, the regular addictive addictions type of a thing, you know, of, of drugs and alcohol, uh, pills and those types of the things, um, we, we try, to, try to hide our, our pain through watching TV. I can relate to that one. I mean, man, if I'm, if I'm dealing with, with a lot of stress or frustrations or, or a lot of loss and grief, I don't want to deal with it. Man, I can go on Netflix. I can binge, man, like crazy. Other things, though, I mean, we can get too busy. 
We can start to have just act- activity upon activity upon activity upon activity. We can, we can get other people involved in activities upon activities upon activities just so that we don't have time to deal or to, to view or to think about or to look at the grief, the, the hurt that we're, that we're needing to walk through. Some people take upon uh, so much work that they don't need to, so that they can't, don't have to focus on their pain either. Thus the term workaholism comes into, into play, Right? Dealing with, with these things. But it's not just about those kind of addiction things. And I think it's also about um, food. Food is a major way that people will, will go and, and try to pacify the pain, pacify the hurt. And also we, we know that pornography is another major way that people try to escape from their pain and their frustrations. Some other ways that, that we deal with, with our pain is through denial. Well, that's just, it's just not... I, I'm, not, I'm not hurt. I'm going to be a pillar, a stone. I am a rock. I'm not going to deal with it. Others are minimizers. Well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. What? Oh, this whole thing? It used to be my arm? Ah, it's gone. It's, it's, it's a flesh wound. It's no big deal, really. It's all right. The blame? The blame game? And you can talk about blame from any, any direction. Be it some people blame themselves. Well, this was so my fault. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I, I, I'm, I'm so, I can't believe that, that, you know, poor me type of a thing. Or they blame other people. Well, this was your fault. You did this to me. This is all you. If you hadn't have done, da, 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 da. some people will blame God. God, why did you do this to me? This is all your fault. We blame other people. We blame things. We blame other things. Or we spiritualize it. Well, praise Jesus. God's good all the time. All the time. God's good. Well, you just had a car accident. Well, I know, and I, and I lost my car, and I, and I can't, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, but praise be to Jesus. He's good, and he is good. But we can't mask or hide from the grief and the loss that we walk through in our lives. We have to deal with it. Biblically, I will tell you that, that things, we, we deal with things differently if, if we're following kind of a, a biblical, biblical pattern in this. What I just share with you is a world, world view of grief and loss and how we deal with it. From a biblical standpoint, the very opposite is true. It is meant to be one of the main ways God enlarges our soul and transforms us into lovers of him and others. Grief and loss, you guys, is a very important part of our relationship with God. It hurts and it's hard, but it's important. As you think back on your relationship with God, when are the times that you are growing closer to him? When are the times that your relationship is really just going gangbusters with Jesus? Is it when things are really good? Chances are that when things are at their worst is when your relationship with Jesus is at its best. It's because you're recognizing, I can't do this on my own anymore. I need the Lord. I need the Lord. And who, who better than to demonstrate this, I feel, than Jesus himself? I want to share with you a story from Matthew, Matthew 26. And I'm going to start reading from verse 36. But before I, before I read that, I just want to give you a little, little bit of a, of a pre-story here. Um, Jesus is sharing with Peter 
about uh, the fact that Peter's going to deny Jesus. And Peter goes through, man, he goes through the, the normal, natural, human way of dealing with grief and loss. He goes in this denial thing. He's like, not me, Lord. Surely that could never happen. I'll stand for you forever. That's my version of Peter. Um, but he's going through all this stuff, and Jesus goes, no, you don't understand. This is what's going to happen. But I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Well, it goes on, and I want to read to you, starting in verse 36, where they go. This is right at the end of Jesus' ministry. This is right before he's put on trial. This is right before the crucifixion. This is right before all of that stuff goes down. So in verse 36, it says this, Jesus, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. There's a biblical way that we should grieve, and I want to share with you this, 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 this way today, this morning, uh, through, this, through this passage of Scripture. You see, Peter didn't quite understand this, this whole idea of grief and loss. I mean, here it was. Jesus has just been saying, hey, my time's coming to an end. All of this is, is stopping. And, and Peter's going, I thought you were going to be king. And what's the deal going on? Jill talked about this a little bit last week. And um, so here it is. All of this stuff is changing and turning upside down. Life is changing. And he couldn't understand it. Jesus, on the, other, on the other hand, fully understood. And the first point that I want you guys to understand, this first stage is that we need to pay attention to it. We need to acknowledge that we have grief in our life. We need to acknowledge that there are times when we are sad. There, we need to acknowledge that there are times when we're, when we're grieving something, when we've lost something, when we're hurt. There's other good examples of people who, are, who were grieving in the Old Testament and, and stuff. David is one. I mean, two-thirds of the Psalms are, are him writing about things of places where he's struggling with something. My enemies are coming down on me. I feel all alone. Even the fact of his desire to, to draw closer to the Lord... He's lamenting that he's not close enough. As a deer pants for the water, my soul longs for you. The story of Job. Here's a guy that loses everything, and he's lamenting. Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, is a lot of, of hardships and struggles and pain. In fact, there is a book in the Bible, you guys, called Lamentations, which is lamenting. It is a part of life that we're dealing with here. 
And if we don't process this before God, if we don't acknowledge that we have this, if we don't pay attention to it and allow this to start to, to, to work in our lives, if we continue to ignore it, eventually this, this pain, this grief, this loss, it will leak from us. Now, I'm not saying that it becomes this pungent smell or anything like that that, that, we're, that we're dealing with, but it does leak out. I mean, think about it for a second. When you're not dealing with your frustrations, when you're not dealing with this grief, you may find that you have a shorter temper. That might be a way that this grief and loss is leaking out of you. Others of you might, might find that this leaking out becomes this passive-aggressive attitude towards other people. Where you begin to deal with things where you say, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll do it or I'll, I'll I'll acknowledge what you have for me. And then you go and you do the exact opposite over here because you're not wanting to deal with the pain of the situation here. We need to remember something, you guys. We need to remember that emotions, they are from God. They're good. They were given to us by the Lord and should be used as a gauge to acknowledge how we're doing. When we get angry... There's a reason why we're frustrated. Let's ask ourselves that. Why am I ticked off right now? Why am I frustrated? I've got this huge pain in my gut, and, I, and I, every time I think about a certain situation, it really begins to just make me so sad inside. That's okay to acknowledge that. What are you angry about? What are you sad about? What are you happy about? When we begin to acknowledge these emotions, this is a good thing, and we need to let this out. So pay attention to the emotions that you have. The second step in this, and I feel that this is probably the, the most difficult part, and this part is where the addictions come in. This is the part that, that the struggles really start to manifest themselves because this next part of, of dealing with grief and loss is to wait in the confusing in-between time. The waiting. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. Man, I like my microwave. I like fast food. I am, I am all about that because, one, and, and our culture allows this to take place. We don't have to wait for anything. I mean, it's crazy. You think about it, in, in cities right now, you can order on Amazon and get it the same day. Oh, if only in Durango. I hate wait. But listen to this. This is, a, this is an amazing thing. In Psalm 37, 7, it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Why? Why do we need to wait patiently? Why do we need to, to, to have this time in the middle of the yuck why do we have to wait? Isn't God a God who heals? Isn't God one who restores and sets the captives free? Yes, he is. And he is good. But there are times of wait. There are times of wait. Abraham, he did not wait. He was given this promise by God. And he, he did wait for a little while. He waited 11 years. Took 25, as, as Jill talked about last week. But for 11 years he waited, and he's like, I'm done waiting. Sarah, his wife, she's like, hey, you had this promise from God, and if, you know, I'm not getting any younger, 
This is not happening with me. We need, to, we need to get this process. We need to get the ball rolling here. But what happens? Ishmael is born. Ishmael was not the fulfillment of God's promise. Ishmael was man's attempt on what God's promise was going to be. What are the Ishmaels in your life when you haven't waited? When God said to wait, but you said, I'm, I'm hurting and I need to pacify this. Could it be that in the midst of, a, of, a, of the drunkenness that a relationship was severed? Could it be the addiction of pornography to try to hide the pain of a broken relationship has only furthered that relationship to be even more and more severed? What are the Ishmaels that are being birthed? Are those things in you that, that because of the leaking, that, that you have shouted out obscenities out of anger? To be honest with you, There are moments in this, in between, that, that I think we all fall short. We all fall short. And the reason I think we all fall short is that I, I really believe that waiting is not earthly. We all want things immediately. I mean, you take a little baby, right? They're like, I'm hungry. I want it now. It is our natural human instinct to want things immediately. It is not something that we are accustomed to or natural, naturally um, born with the idea of understanding how to wait. I believe that waiting is godly. I have a video that I want to share with you guys this morning about this idea of waiting in, in the in-between time. And I want to just encourage you to look for the hope in this video. Those who wait on the Lord don't go anywhere. They don't move forward. They don't turn back. They wait. Wait for God to answer. Wait for the Father to provide. Wait for the Avenger to act. For the hurt to stop, for the door to open, but sometimes in the waiting, in the stubborn trusting without seeing, we find an unexpected moment, and then another, an unreasonable peace a surprising joy, a shocking sense that the answer matters less than being loved by the one we're waiting for. And so we worship in the waiting, and we wait a little more.
dealing dealing with loss regardless if our loss is a loved one loss of a job if it's loss of some sort of functioning of our body because we've been injured or disease has hit us in, in, in some manner. There's so many different ways that we can experience loss and as a result go through this process of grief. Grief isn't just about the loss of someone that you have loved. It can be so tempting and it's almost become ingrained in our our way of thinking as as believers that the reaction to that grief to that loss is some sort of cliche blanket statement oh god is so good god is still good Oh, God can work all things for his own good. It's become this default position within the church. It's become almost ingrained in our thinking. And yes, there's truth to be found within these statements. There's truth and there is peace to be found from God. But in these times of hurt and pain, in these times where it is natural part of who we are to experience grief, it is not God's will for us to ignore it. It is not God's desire for you and I to just push it away because God is good. If we do that, if we make that choice to push away, it's just going to make it that much worse. And so... I encourage you this morning, although this won't sound that encouraging because of the topic, I encourage you to experience that pain, to accept the difficulty, but don't ignore and become, don't ignore God and become so in root, so rooted, sorry, in that pain that that is all you identify as. And you can't see God. This video that, that Pastor Matt Palmer finished with talked about this experience of waiting. This time of just being still. Not moving forward, not going backwards. It's powerful what God can do if we just accept the moment.
that we're in. Instead of trying to explain it away, instead of trying to rationalize and use human logic or fit biblical passages to fit whatever narrative we are trying to form, but we just wait and accept that right now, life kind of stinks. Not saying that right now all of our lives stink, don't get me wrong, but saying if you find yourself in that experience of loss or grief, right now, this moment kind of stinks for me. Because though there will and always, there will and always will be moments within our life where we just have to accept the pain that we are in and wait on the Lord to renew our strength. It's not easy. Not easy, is it? It's also not comfortable to talk about these things, eh? It's a little quiet this morning. It's been a little bit quiet since we've started this sermon series. Not something that we love to talk about. We like to just pretend. It's easier just to exist in these these realms of clay, cliche platitudes, eh? Just like that default setting we've gone into. But that's not God's plan for you. That's not God's desire for you to exist in that way. Spiritually or mentally. Let God minister to you as you wait. You can stand if you want. How many of you have so far during this this uh, emotionally healthy spirituality series? How much? How many of you? I'm raising my hand already because I know the the question. How many of you have found this being a powerful time? How many of you have found that it's been equipping you, challenging you, but equipping you to deal with your your headspace and what's going on? I encourage you that. Uh, if you're not already connected with a connect group, to uh, reach out to Pastor Matt this week because the connect group is a great space to, uh, can we make sure the keyboard is unmuted? Is a great space to continue working these thoughts through. And if it's if, if you're dealing with emotional pain, mental strife, trying to do it on your own, trying to get through grief and loss on your own, I'm telling you, the research proves it, and our instructions in the Bible to be within community of believers are testament to it. It doesn't work to do it alone, and that's why we have connect groups, so you have community. 
Don't isolate yourself. Reach out to Pastor Matt this week and join a connect group to keep going through this, this series together. That's why I said earlier when, when uh, bringing up uh, Mary Daly and that loss, we grieve together, we rejoice together as a family because we can support each other. Don't rush out this morning. If, if you desire uh, prayer, uh, I'm going to ask if uh, Mark and, and uh, Edna would be willing to uh, come to the front. If anyone desires prayer, uh, they are here to pray for you. I hope you have such a great week. You are loved. You are